But I hope everyone enjoyed yourself. Uh, family, did you spend time with family this Thanksgiving? And I know if, uh, one of the things that we always do, it's kind of corny, you know, uh, by now, but one of the things we always do at Thanksgiving is we get together with our family and, you know, we get everything all spread out and ready. But before we can eat, you know, we have to go around and say what we're thankful for and we pray and, and do those type of things. And, uh, you know, we should do that every year. Nia and I were talking about this on the way down that... Uh, I was telling her that I, I like this song that one of my favorite artists has, this guy Fred Hammond. He has this song on his Christmas album called, I Wish It Were Christmas Every Day. You know, I wish it would just go on and on. And, and what he, you know, listening to the words of the song, what he means by that is, I wish people acted the way that they do on Christmas or during the Christmas season every day. Not that I would get gifts every day. Uh, but I, I wish that, you know, this same spirit that we all seem to have during the holiday time would be every day. And uh, I think Thanksgiving should be that same way, too. We should be thankful each and every day. Amen. And the reason is because God so loves you. God so loves you. And uh, I, I know that we hear that time and time again. Maybe you even know it. But to really get that down in your spirit, to understand it, this God of the universe, he really loves you. And so I just want to talk today from the subject, God is for me. This I know, God is for me. God does not work against you. God is for you. This I know, God is for me. And I'm just believing that this hopefully short word will touch your heart and bring you some encouragement and strength, especially during this holiday season. God is for me. This truth is immovable, and uh, we, we really cannot come against this truth. If we just look around and see how God has worked in our lives and how he, you know, David said he, in, I believe it's Psalms 40, about he was in the miry pit, you know, in the clay, and in the miry clay in the pit, and God reached down and brought him up out of the pit, right, and set his feet upon a rock. And then he established his goings, meaning, meaning that he, you know, that little green line that you see on the commercial for fidelity, that's what God did. He put, his, he put the path right out before him. Amen. And so he established his goings. And this truth is immovable. Others may forget you. Family may let you down sometimes. We're human beings. And listen, if you've never been disappointed in life, then I would be shocked that if no one has ever disappointed you, I would say either you're one years old, <laughs> right, or you, your head has been in the sand like an ostrich, right, because you cannot be in a relationship with anyone, your parents, uh, a marriage, siblings, best friends, you cannot be in a relationship with anyone and never get disappointed. We disappoint each other. I'm not professing that. I'm not confessing that. I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying that we as human beings sometimes disappoint each other. Well, your friends may disappoint you. Your family may let you down sometimes. Your boss may ignore you. Your spouse may even at times turn their back on you. But God will never leave you or forsake you. Come on, somebody. God is for you. He is for you. If there is a tree in heaven, guess what? God carved your name in the tree. If God needed to eat and had a refrigerator, your picture would be up on his refrigerator. And I want you to know this morning that your birthday is marked on God's calendar. 
in his house, up in his office. Your birthday is right there. He thinks about you. He has your picture up in his study. God loves you, you personally, not just the life church, not just the church as a whole, but you and I, God has our personal pictures right there before him. Listen, Psalm 46, 16 says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. And so I pray that this goes deep into you. I pray that this is not just something that you say, amen, I believe that, and then go out and it's really not in your spirit. I hope this really gets into all of our spirit today, that to know that God is for us. So what do I mean when I say God is for me? Here it is. God is for me all the time, not just sometimes, not just when I do good. God is for me when I do bad. Even if there are consequences, those consequences, guess what? You may find it hard to believe, but those consequences are for me. Come on now, right? They're for me all the time in the good and the bad. When I'm doing great and when I fail in disappointments and in discouragements, he's there. Extraordinary trouble and pain. God is all-powerful. Always, at all times, loving, and guess what? Ready to help me. When is he ready to help me? Right now. Right now. Psalms 56, verse 9 says this. It says, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. Listen to the God's Word translation. It says, then my enemies will retreat when I call to you. When they hear me say, Jesus, they back up. Say, oh, he didn't call in the heavyweight now. He's called in the heavyweight. I must back up. This I know because God is on my side. Even Romans 8.31 says, in view of all this, what can we say? You know this scripture. If God be for us, finish it. Who can be against us? If the creator of all those that would come against you is for you, who is that that is against you? If the creator of all those who would come against you is for you, the one that created them, who can be against you? No one can be against you. God is for you. Now, here's the thing. We have some perceptions of God. God laid this message in my heart because I was thinking... Uh, one day a couple of weeks ago just about my perceptions of God and where they come from do my perceptions of God come from someone else who tells me about God or I hear someone else's testimony and then that's my perception of God or I hear what's in the news then that's my perception where do these perceptions come from well we have to have the right perspective about God and I just want to give you a few things and we probably could go on and on that are the right perspective about God Number one, the right perspective is this. God is not mad at me. He's just simply not mad at me. Secondly, God is not against me. Sometimes you feel like people are working against you. Well, guess what? God is not against you. God is not ignoring me. He has not turned his back on me. There's one time God did that, and that was when Jesus was on the cross because he had to turn his back on sin. 
That was the only time. But now that that debt is paid, guess what? God does not turn his back on you. God is not punishing me. Any correction God gives you is for your own good. Now, I know that's hard to believe sometimes, especially children. We, we, we find that hard to believe. Really? This is really for my good? <laughs> yeah, this hurts you more than me? I don't think so, right? But anytime God corrects us, it is for our own good and to set us to set our feet on a right path. That's why he does that, makes a correction. In fact, if you look back over your life, you ought to be thankful that God corrected you sometimes because there are some times when you were going the wrong way and if he would have just nudged you a little bit, you would have kept going the wrong way. He had to get your attention and say, hey, rock bottom has to be like this. Now you'll have some appreciation. Now you'll get up out of the pig's pen and go home and say, just let me be a servant. And the father of lights will say to you, no, you are not a servant. You are still a son. You're still a daughter coming to the house. I'm not punishing you. I'm just getting you back on the right track, even if I have to crush you at times. But I don't kill you. I break you apart and put you back together better than new. And then God is not finished with me. We need to know that, saints. God is not finished with me. No matter what your age is, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you have messed up, failed, or fallen short of God's glory, guess what? As long as there is breath in your body, you need to know and you need to declare, God is not finished with me. It used to be an old song. I know Brother Mike knows it. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. God is not through with me. Isaiah chapter 54 verses 9 and 10 says this. God is speaking to Isaiah and he's speaking to his people. And he says, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Verse 4, I don't have this up there, but listen to even back up at verse 4. That was verses 9 and 10. He said this earlier. He said, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth. Come on. How many have had some shame in their youth that you're happy that God says, listen, I'll cause you to forget the shame of your youth. Some things that you've done, some things that you've fallen into. Guess what? It's behind you now. I don't live there anymore. That's a different person. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. So we have to have the right perspective of God. And where we get that perspective is from right here in his word. Not even from someone else's testimony, not from our failures, not from what the enemy 
keeps putting in front of our face. But our right perspective has to come from our relationship with him. It comes from his word, it comes from prayer, and it comes from fasting. And so when we set this time aside, folks, and I've already even talked to some people and they said, listen, I need more of God right now. So they've already started consecrating themselves to the Lord. And I commend those who have done that. But when we set this time aside corporately, guess what? It's going to be an opportunity for you to really now get to know God. No distractions. You, you ever, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I uh, was in a, a band called Ordained, and, and Mike and I were in this band, and he had left, he had moved to Indiana, and uh, we were in this band, and uh, we, we had a, a manager, his, this guy's name was Rodney, and uh, he was also the personal manager to a couple of professional boxers, including Buster Douglas, if anybody knows that name. Um, talk about getting rid of some shame, he had some great times and some bad times. But um, he uh, was also... Uh, he managed a few people in music. And one day, make a long story short, one day, I, I, uh, Rodney came to me and said, listen, I know you produce music and I have a couple of opportunities and I want you to go with me. And uh, I only knew Rodney as our manager, you know, from Ordain, from this group that we, we sang in. And he would come to practice, you know, and come to our events when we ministered and things like that. And uh, so, I, you know, that's how I knew him, uh, not as a friend, maybe as an acquaintance. And so he came to me and said, listen, I want you to go with me to Philadelphia. We're going to see Joe Frazier because his daughter wants to sing and start to do a demo. And then we're going to go to New York and uh, I'm going to meet with Regina Bell, who was another uh, artist uh, uh, back in the 80s uh, who sang, uh, she actually sang R&B and inspirational music together. But anyway, um, he said, we're going to go meet with her. So we're going to take this trip and we're going to drive. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have to work and everything. He said, oh, by the way, I'm paying for everything. I said, now, what day, what time do we leave? Is it because, you know, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we, so we went on this long trip. And I even got to drive his BMW a little while. So that was, you know, kind of exciting. But uh, we went on this long trip, and it was from Columbus, Ohio, probably nine or ten hours, uh, maybe to Philly, and then another couple hours up to New York, uh, and then back, you know, another ten or twelve hours. So anyway, long story short, well, it's not short now, I've already told the long story, but we, we spent all this time together. And my point is, after we came back, I knew Rodney intimately. After spending so much time, not only the time on the road that we spent talking, but the time in the hotels, the time at restaurants, the time that we interacted with Joe Frazier and other people, you know, I got to see some other sides of him. And uh, by the way, a little side note, that's the reason why I'm bald today, because Joe Frazier, uh, my hairline was going back. And when I met Joe Frazier, he, the first thing he said to me, I said, oh, Joe Frazier, oh, it's so great to meet you. He said, just cut your hair off. He said, the line is going back, just cut it off. The first thing Joe Frazier said to me. So, you know, if Joe Frazier tells you to cut your hair, you just cut your hair. You know, I don't want to get a left hook, you know. And, uh, but anyway, it was a great experience. But I knew Rodney then by the time we got back intimately. I mean, we could talk about a lot of things. In fact, there were some things that I went through, some terrible things uh, uh, later on in, in my life, right, not too long after that, that he was one of the first people I called because I had gotten to know him that well. And he come over and we talked about it, you know, and those type of things. My point is, you get to know someone intimately when you spend an extended amount of quality time with them. And I believe that this time that we're going to set aside and consecrate ourselves to the Lord, if we do it, 
Amen. Don't just call it 21 days and say, I'm, you know, I'm not eating a few foods, and then, but you never pray and never read your word. During this time, you've got to put yourself into it. When we do this, you'll get to know, I, I guarantee you, you'll be surprised that you'll know God a little bit more intimately than you knew him before. Now, he knows you up and down, inside and out. He knows your innermost being. But listen, he's also saying, come up to me. I want you to know me. I want to share with you who I really am. And so now, after this time with him, I believe we'll have a right perspective of God. Here's some ideas about God that are just sort of uh, all over the place that I've, I've, I've talked to people over the last year. Interestingly uh, enough, I've, I've gotten a lot of different perspectives about God. Some people that I work with, some people that I've met maybe in the market, uh, just asked some questions and sort of done my own survey. And here's five ideas of God that I believe maybe Americans have, five different ideas of God. The first one is that he is authoritative, okay? That God is engaged in our world, but, I put and there, but he is judgmental. And he will use any means to get our attention, just to judge us. In other words, people feel like, I would interpret this, that people feel like God is uh, selfish and he wants all of your attention, you know, and he'll do anything to get it. Sort of, but, but the way they put it is sort of like, uh, you know, a child does. As soon as you start talking to someone else, hey, 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 look at me, look at me. People think God is like that, that he'll do anything to get our attention. He's authoritative, judgmental, and he'll do anything to get your attention. Second one I, I observed was that God is benevolent. What does that mean? It means that he's engaged, but not judgmental at all. He's just not judgmental. He's just benevolent. I've heard this term that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And I believe that that uh, is true to an extent sometimes, but not always. Just like any gentleman, there's sometimes a gentleman's a gentleman, there's sometimes he's not. <laughs> there's sometimes it's necessary for a gentleman not to be a gentleman. Amen. And so, yeah, that, that's true to some extent, but that's, but that's the perspective, that God is always a gentleman. He'll never interrupt you, whatever you want to do. He puts before you life and death, which is scripture, and it's just up to you to choose. And if you don't, oh, it's okay, and he'll just leave, that, you, know, leave you alone. Well, one person I'd like you to talk to is uh, Jonah, because Jonah will tell you that uh, I did not have that experience, <laughs> that God told me I was going to do something, I told him no, and I got swallowed by a fish until I relented. Okay, that's called God crushing you. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Okay. You know, <laughs> so there's some times when he's not, you know. All right. Number three, that God is critical. What about this? God is critical. He's disengaged from our personal lives, but he's still judgmental. In other words, he doesn't care about what we do every day. Just when we mess up, he's there to say, see, don't do that. He's just judgmental, like, you know, the police sitting over in the corner. As long as you pass them by going 35, they don't bother you. But as soon as you go 45, here they come. You know, that's, that's, that God is critical. That's another, uh, that's another perspective of God. Another one is this, number four, that he's distant. He's disengaged from our personal life. And is non-judgmental. Now, I'll tell you, out of the five that I'm presenting, to me, this one seems like it's the could be the worst one, actually, that God is distant. And I'll tell you why. Because have you ever been in a relationship 
whether it's with your spouse or um, or a best friend, and they're distant and they're non-judgmental. In other words, so even if you do something wrong, they don't say anything to you. When you do something right, they don't say anything to you. To me, it gives me the impression that they just don't care. A, a friend of mine told me a story, uh, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but he, he was telling me this story about this young lady who was 16, and she uh, had a dad who seemed to be strict to all her friends. He seemed like he was very strict. But she had a different perspective of her dad. And so one day, a friend of hers came to pick her up, and they were going out to a movie, and uh, her friend came and, uh, you know, drove up. Her friend drove a car and came up and drove up and uh, beat the horn. Now, her father was out in the yard doing some yard work, uh, you know, and what have you. And she came out of the house with a, a very tight sundress on, very revealing. Okay, I don't have to give you a visual, all right? So she came out of the house like this, 16 years old, and we know how uh, developed 16-year-olds are, you know, in this day and age. And so she came out, had her high heels on. She was clacking, you know, on the sidewalk and that and, and, all, and this sort of thing, real short dress and all that, and walked right by her dad. Now, she also had a bag in her hand. The bag uh, had more material on it than the clothes that she had on, Okay. All right, walked by her dad, and her dad didn't look up. And then she said, bye, dad, I'm going to the movie. And he looked up, glanced at her, said, all right, bye, have a good time. And she went on and got in the car. Dad didn't say anything about the way she was dressed. When she got in the car, her friend said, girl, what is going on with you? Why are you dressed like that? She, and she, got, she opened up the bag, got some more clothes out, and put on some clothes and uh, told her friend, I just wanted to see what my dad would say, if he would stop me or not with the clothes that I had on. Sometimes when we're disengaged and we don't say anything at all, it gives the impression that we just don't care. Sometimes people want you to say something to them, even if it's correction. And so people think God is that way. He won't even correct us. He's disengaged altogether. Why won't God correct us? Why won't he love me? See, correction sometimes is viewed as love because I know that you at least care about me. And then there's a perspective that he is true. The true God of scriptures is defined and described that he is the only one and true God. It's not defined by my mind, my ideas, my experiences, my likes or dislikes, what I want God to be and what I don't want him to be. Too often, and I can only speak for this country, I know we've been to some other countries over the years, but I can really only speak from what I've observed here in this country. Too often in this country, to me, I observe that people make God what they want him to be. You know, when, when there's a bad storm, you know, they make God this. When everything's great, the economy's up, they make God this. And they, they make God what they want him to be. You see, Satan, your enemy, wants you to feel as if God is somehow angry or less than satisfied with you. God is a God who is distant, controlling, aloof, and that he is not the God of Scripture. But God wants you to know this morning that God is the God of Scripture and that God is the God who is for you. God is the God who loves you. God is just. He's omniscient. God is forgiving. He's merciful and he's altogether truthful. Guess what? God is unchangeable. He's loving. 
He's eternal. That means when we say his mercy endures forever, it was always here. It's not just eternal going forward. His mercy has always been here. Doesn't that blow your mind? God's mercy is here. He's wise. He's holy. He's sovereign. And guess what? He's here. He's omnipresent. Everywhere at the same time. Our God, if I want you to take anything away from this, I want you to know that our God is three things. He's knowable, he's approachable, and he's able and ready to help. He's knowable because God created the universe in all its magnitude and its creative details, if you will. Yet he is able to be known by us. He said, seek my face while I may be found. That's an invitation, folks. That's just not a discouragement to say, hey, if you don't see me today, you may not see me. That it's part that, but guess what? It's part invitation. It's saying, come to me. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and labor. I will what? Give you rest. God is inviting us into him. He tells us about himself. He welcomes us into his relationship. God is knowable. He is approachable. Many of us feel that God is just not approachable. We'll pray. You can tell it. I'll tell you how you can tell someone who feels that God is not approachable. Listen to them pray. Their prayers will be very revealing. Oh, Lord, ancient of days, thou who has created the universe, wilt thou come down, please? And, you know, all of the, nothing wrong with that type of prayer, but I'm saying God is wanting you to reach deeper into him. Hey, daddy. Listen, <laughs> I need to talk to you today. Right? I know when we're in corporate prayer, we have our way of praying, and that, that's okay. We don't want to be disrespectful. But I'm talking about during this time, 21 days, when you're in your closet, when you're fasting and praying, hey, Daddy, listen, I'm feeling a certain kind of way. You know, Maybe I shouldn't be feeling this way. Can I talk to you for a few minutes? God is approachable, altogether approachable. He invites us to engage him with all of our life, every area, our failures. Engage God in that. It's not like he doesn't know you're failing in that area. He already knows. You can't hide it from him. So bring it to God. and Say, you know, Lord, I'm failing in this area, but I don't want to. This is my heart. What can I do? He'll talk to you. And then God is able. God is 100% right. Every single time. God cannot be wrong. We know that. If God played golf, his score would be 18 because he get a hole in one on every... He can't lose. He can't come in second. He's right every single time. It's impossible for him to be wrong. And so based on that, we ought to know that God is able to take care of us. Come on. He has unlimited wisdom. He understands all situations, both past and present. He understands it all. We don't need to counsel him or persuade him. He is already able. Listen to some scriptures that support this. God is for me. Why? Because God is good. Listen to some things David had to say. Psalm 34, 8 said this, Oh, taste and see what? That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 72, 18, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who, now listen, only does wondrous things. He doesn't do anything that's not wondrous. It's amazing to me. Psalm 31, 19, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up 
for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. How great is your goodness, O God. And in Psalms 105, it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Same truth. God is good. Here's my definition of God is good. <laughs> the goodness of God is seen as his unconditional, unfathomable. In other words, we can't even imagine how he loves us. I mean, I just can't imagine that. The, to imagine the cross, really. I mean, we've, we've seen the movie. You know, we've, we've seen it on TBN. We've read the story. But, I mean, really, put yourself there to imagine giving your life not only... Now, this wasn't uh, someone who stepped out in front of a bus or was executed with a firing squad who got shot and immediately died uh, or any of that. This God, in the form of a man, endured a terrible suffering for us. To me, that's an unfathomable love because I am incapable of it in my flesh. I need God's spirit to be able to do that. But with his spirit, I can love like that. Unfathomable love toward us. His favor to the unworthy, his continuous effort for us in every circumstance. God is perfect. God's goodness is his admirable being. And he expresses actively his unconditional love toward us. Constantly. God never stops. Listen, God's love toward you is relentless. <laughs> he just won't stop. It won't keep coming. He loves you. This I know, saints. God is for me. Say that with me. God is for me. God is for me. You got to believe that in your heart. I just want to leave you this morning. It's just a, a this is just an exhortation uh, to encourage you during this, this season. Six wonderful facts about God's goodness. I'll just leave you with this. These six things about God's goodness. If you don't believe it, believe it. Number one. God is good to me even though I'm not always good. God is good to me even though, come on, admit it now, I am not always good. To me, that's unfathomable because the way that we love each other most of the time is based on how the other person treats you, right? We treat others how they treat us. But Jesus said, treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, if you really think about that phrase, if you really think about that passage of Scripture, if you really think about that command from God in your flesh, that is just not all that easy to do. Because when Jesus says, treat others the way you want to be treated, what he's saying is, it doesn't matter, irregardless of how people treat you. That doesn't factor into the equation. With this flesh, it always factors into the equation. Come on now, if somebody doesn't speak to you and you've spoken to them three times in a row, oh, it factors into the equation, right? You don't want to speak to them anymore. Well, I, you don't want to speak to me, I just won't speak to you, right? If somebody treats you badly, listen, you want to retaliate or you want to make yourself distant. God said you can't even do that. You have to treat others the way you want to be treated. God's goodness is not dependent upon our right behavior, now, that's something to get down in your spirit today because I don't know that everybody believes that. I don't know that I altogether believe that. I really need to get that in my spirit 
that God's goodness is not dependent on my right behavior. Come on. But it's dependent upon my obedience to him. We can't earn God's approval or his acceptance. God blesses you with his goodness for who you are, who he made you. Not what you can do for him. What can you do for God? Come on. C.S. Lewis said this. said, the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. You see, you don't do everything good and then get God to love you. That's how we do each other. But you go to God just as I am, without one plea. In other words, you don't even have to open your mouth. Just go to him just as, just as you are, and then God will make you good. God gives us second chances. That's how good he is. What about Moses? He killed an Egyptian. God gave him a second chance. What about Abraham? He lied. He was at one time an idol worshiper. God gave him another chance. David, let's not even talk about David. I'm talking about an adulterer, a murderer. Come on now. Woo, horrible things. Told lies, betrayal, yet he was given a second chance. The woman caught in adultery, given a second chance. By the law, she was supposed to be stoned and killed. But Jesus gave her a second chance. Peter, what about him? His failures. Denying Christ. What can be worse than denying Christ? Somebody please tell me. Especially after you've walked with him. Seen the miracles that he's performed. Been right there with him. In fact, he blew his breath into you. The breath of the Spirit of God. And sent you out with the others two by two. And you healed people. God healed them through you. You've done all this and then you still deny Jesus. What's worse than that? But guess what? Jesus said, go tell the disciples and... Peter, come on, give him a second chance, prodigal son, man, this guy messed up his life, you talk about somebody who had it good and just threw everything away, come on, how many have a, well, don't raise your hand, but how many have a family member or a friend or someone who, who you, that you thought they had everything, but they threw so much away, squandered so many chances, in other words, they're laying in the bed that they made, come on, you know some folks like that, I mean, I've been like that at a time or two, laying in the bed that you made. Come on. Prodigal son was there, but he got up out of that bed, went back home. Come on. And the father said, you are still a son. God gives us second chances. He's good to me, even though I'm not good. We have to know that. Number two, God is good to me because he never stops loving me. I just said that his love is relentless. He just won't stop. Try to get God to stop. He won't stop loving you. He continues to love you. God loves me all the time. His love never stops. Listen to Lamentations chapter 3. I love this, and it's, it's turned into a song, and I love the song. I love my, when my wife sings this song. It says, they are new every morning, talking about his mercies. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Psalms 105, we read it earlier. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. His mercy endures how long? Forever. Forever. God is good. Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, come on, Christ died for us. While we didn't even realize what he was doing, he died on the cross for us. Come on. His mercy endures. Why? Why? 
to the person who has made an undeniable mistake in his life and finds their future torpedoed by these fateful facts. In other words, you, 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 the catalyst for where you are today are decisions that you've made yesterday and last year, and you see yourself going and spiraling out of control. Guess what? God's mercy will reach down and stop it and say, come on, let me set your feet upon a rock. Let me establish your goings. I can stop all of that right now. All you need to do is come to me. His mercy endures to the person who has stepped outside of his marriage or her marriage. Come on. His mercy endures to the trusted employee who mishandled corporate funds. His mercy endured to the woman who has born a child before marriage or the young man who has rejected his early faith and, in, and has turned to drugs and alcohol instead. We could go on and on and on about situations that we've got ourselves into, but guess what? God's mercy endures toward you no matter what. No matter what his mercy has endured. His love is extravagant, saints. Number three, God is good to me because he does good things. He simply does good things. Psalms 119.68, you are good and do good. Now, teach me your statutes. This is what we need to be saying during this time that we set aside. God, you are good. Often we go to prayer, we go before God in prayer and we, God, you are good. We extol you. We magnify you. You are love. You are mercy. You are all of these things. But we fail to say this last thing here. Now teach me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Let me be like you. Because that's what God really wants in us. He wants us to be like him. Number four, God's goodness, now listen, motivates me to change. God's goodness motivates me to change. People are corrected and they change differently. You know, some people, like <clears throat> my son, uh, need uh, real uh, strong encouragement sometimes to change. You know, sometimes there needs to be a little pain involved, uh, you know, for him to change, you know. And uh, I know for me, um, you know, I grew up and, uh, you know, my mom was, she was, uh, what do I want to say? She was, she was not shy, you know, with the, with the belt or the switch. I'll just say that. And uh, so I got corrected a lot of times too. But you know what I found out uh, about myself, especially once I got saved and started walking this walk with the Lord, very often... God's love toward me, his blessings toward me, really convict me so much to the point where it just breaks me down, and I've, and I've got to change. I have to repent. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but God's love sometimes can be so heavy upon us. It's like heaping uh, hot coals on our head, you know, because he's just so good, and you know you messed up. You know, that's one of the worst things. I had my daughter, my oldest daughter, come to me one time, and she did, you know, she did some things, and she had messed up, and, uh, you know, and, but I didn't say anything to her this one time. In fact, I probably was just so frustrated that I was beyond, you know, uh, so I just didn't say anything, and I, I didn't speak to her. And after some time went by, she came back to me and said, this is what, will you just please give me a whipping already, or smack me upside the head, or, you know, put me, ground me or something, because this is worse than anything else, you know, and it just convicted her. And we never want God to turn his back on us, but his love and his blessings toward us so, sometimes just uh, cause us to repent. And say, God, you bless me anyway. Look at this. I don't, I've experienced that. I, I'm telling you, I'll just confess to you, and I'll finish this up. I'll just confess to you. There have been times in my life since I've been saved where I've messed up or not obeyed God, and then God blessed me. 
And I couldn't understand this. I said, that's not right. God, you, did, you, did you see what I did? I didn't do that thing you told me to do. I didn't forgive them. Come on now, Lord. He said, yes, I know. And it just broke me down. You know, I just tear up because God is so good. He is so good. God's goodness motivates me to change. Number five, God's goodness draws my soul to refreshing waters. Jeremiah 31, 12, Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their soul shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more. They shall sorrow no more. God's goodness draws us closer to Him, to the heart of the Father, compelling us to leave the shore, to leave guilt behind and enter into a new fullness of God, of His love and His mercy, His goodness, drawing you closer and closer to Him, inspiring you to open up to Him. Open your heart to his divine presence and be full of his spirit, saints, making your soul a watered garden. A watered garden, that's what he wants to make you. And then finally, number six, God is good even when things are bad. When a typhoon hits, God is still good. Come on. When we lose loved ones in that same storm, God is still good. When the economy is down and we don't know where we're going to turn, how we're going to pay for gas or how we're going to buy milk or how we're going to get health insurance or how we're going to do any of these things, guess what? God is still good. And the kingdom shall never end. God is working with you and working with you even when the sun doesn't shine, when the darkness sets in, when the trials are hot, and heavy, and it seems like all hope is lost. God still loves you, even when it seems as if God is not in the situation. He still loves you. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in Psalm 91, 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. We need to be able to stand on our feet, saints. Just a, a slight encouragement this morning to you. We need to be able to stand on our feet in the presence of God and in the presence of our enemies and proclaim, this I know, God is for me. He is not mad at me. He is not uh, against me, but he is madly in love with me. And should he correct me, thank you, Lord Jesus. Get me back on the right path. Come on, somebody. Should he turn me when I thought I was supposed to go this way and I, I missed him and he turns me this way, thank you, Lord Jesus. I appreciate you doing it. How many know this morning that God is for you?